Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. You still need to live right. That means you still need money. And if you have not been the breadwinner, that puts you in a very tricky situation if you leave. In this episode, we discuss spousal maintenance, what it is, when you get it, and how you can apply. Don't let the threat of no money be the only reason you stay in a marriage that you prefer to be out of. Welcome back, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. And welcome to episode 34, which is pretty exciting. And we have had lots of questions about spousal maintenance. And Mm. like I just said a minute ago, hey, mum, it's sometimes people want to leave or they still might be separated under one roof and they just think that they can't. They yep. can't get out because they can't afford it. Yep. So I think this is this, a solution for some of the listeners out there. And if not, p- potentially something you can pass on to a friend. Okay, that's a good idea. That's a good so idea. So, Mum, let's start off with why don't you unleash your brain power on us and tell us, <laughs> first of all, what is spousal maintenance? Because I thought that was an American thing. Like, yes. Well, well, in America they call it alimony um, and it is uh more common in America, I guess. Uh, But Australian women need to step up if they need money to get the money from the breadwinner in the family. So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around it with spousal maintenance. Some people think, for instance, if they're not married, they can't get it. But that's not true. If you were living together in a de facto relationship, you're entitled to spousal maintenance. So, um, and you don't, a lot of people don't realize it's separate to any money paid for the kids, like for child support. It's, it's a separate issue. So, spouse right. maintenance. So, and, yep. and it's not just for women. So, it can be the other way around oh, as well, yes, can't it? Absolutely. So, if the lady is yep. the breadwinner, or, or, you know, you might hmm. be a lesbian couple, one of them makes more than the other, then you, it's whoever's making more than the other. It, it's that so, it? that's half of half of the story, Laura. Okay. The other half, <laughs> you, you have to have a need. So right. first of all, it does, if if you're earning enough to live on and he's mm. earning more, you don't get spousal maintenance. It's that okay. you have to have a need, and they have mm-hmm. to have capacity to pay, taking into account right. their proper expenses. So it's a little balancing act the court does, and you can apply for urgent spousal maintenance if you're really stuck. Um, And the court will have a hearing the very first time you go um, and uh, they might even make like emergency orders for payment. Um, But most people go for like a a longer-term payment and say, look, until we get the property sorted, um, I need you to pay me this because we haven't sold the house yet or or, it might be something like that. So basically it is a... It's a, a need, so you need money. Yes, you have, you have to have, need So what's, what's an example of some needs? You don't have a job. Yep, yep. don't you have a job. You don't have enough to, to pay your rent. Um, it's not that you don't have enough to do your nails at the salon and stuff like that. It's got to be reasonable needs, but you don't have to live um, like a poor person either. If you've, if you've come from a reasonably comfortable situation, then the court expects you to be able to live in a reasonably comfortable situation while you're separated. Um, but mm. as I said, in today's world, it's usually only a temporary thing um, mm. until uh, the money is properly divided 
Uh, but it might right. be just one more need is if you're retraining to get a job, you might need to say to have a work at uni for three years and you won't be able to work. Well, there might be if the husband or the wife's got capacity, they might support you for those few years while you retrain. Mm, okay. The what is it's something that you can apply, like it's money to support you while you have a need and if you can't support yourself, is that that's Correct. exactly That's right. And and okay. you don't have to tell, it's not taxable, but mm-hmm. you do have to tell Centrelink if you're getting maintenance payments, uh, or those spousal maintenance payments for you. If you're, if spousal, you're on... so if I'm a person who's listening right now, mm. one of our lovely listeners, maybe they're stuck uh, yes. at the house with their partner who they wanted divorce, um, they're worried, they don't have enough money for rent, they don't have enough money for anything. Mm. Spousal maintenance could be a way to get your leg out the door Yes, and wait until you get your property settlement, which would be, you know, most people get at least half, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Most people, and so so it it's a temporary stopgap to yeah. help you until you settle does that yeah. sometimes motivate the ex-partner who is paying the spousal maintenance to settle sometimes sometimes if, okay. it, if the order is drafted well it, it will mm. motivate them to settle and conversely um, I have known people who were receiving maintenance who wanted yeah. to kind of string it out a bit <laughs> so oh no so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's something to be aware it of it is I something guess, to be aware yeah. of and especially guess, if you're the one paying maintenance uh, mm. to your husband or you know de facto partner <laughs> oh dear dear okay so the next thing is why and I guess we kind of covered that you might need it you you're struggling are there any other reasons why people would apply for spousal maintenance um sometimes if they're ill they might need mm-hmm. them, or if the children, uh, uh, if the children are going through a rough time and they have to give up their job, um, they might do that. And and you can get it like in various ways. You can say, look, pay me this much per week, please, mm-hmm. or the court mm-hmm. can order someone to pay that much per week, or it could be a lump sum. Here, mm-hmm. take this twenty thousand dollars and use that to support yourself while we work out what's going on so yeah okay so you so it's not a a government collected thing like child support it's an agreement between the two parties yes or a court order Mm. or a court order so it can happen outside of court if you get and get an agreement is that right yep Yep. what what are some of the hang-ups with that are there any pitfalls they need to watch out for for getting it with, well, sometimes if there's no order involved, if you've mm. sort of made an agreement and you're getting the money, that's fine. Uh, mm. But be careful it doesn't develop into what I call good girl, bad girl or good boy, bad yeah. boy, where if yeah. you do something they don't like or if your property negotiations are getting a bit rigorous and you might be scoring mm. a point or two, suddenly that money you're counting on doesn't come. So if mm. they agree... To pay, or if you've agreed to pay, um, it, I would suggest do it in a uh, formalised way, so that you've got right. it written down, um, either by a consent order, um, as an interim order, or something like that, just so it's documented. Uh, but you know, it depends on the t- sort of personality prison you're talking about. The, it depends mm. what sort of person you're divorcing. Most people, I think, manage it. They keep money in a joint account, some people, uh, just to keep paying the mortgage because you've got to keep doing that. Uh, mm. Otherwise, your credit rating goes down. 
So how hard is it to apply for spousal maintenance? Because I guess someone who isn't got you as a mum or Mm. someone who isn't uh, able to go out and navigate the legal system themselves, Mm. is it easy? Is it like child support where you just fill in a form or? No, it's not that, not not that child support's particularly easy or Centrelink, I guess, Uh, but no, you've got to fill in an application to the court and you've got to fill in a financial um, statement, um, one of the court forms, and it is a bit detailed. It wants to know what you're spending on gifts, holidays, uh, petrol, parking, all sorts of things, and it divides mm. it up between you and the children. Um, mm. And then it has a good look at what your earnings are. And, you know, um, a lot of uh, contested hearings for spousal maintenance involve going through the expenses and saying, do you really spend $90 a fortnight on magazines? You know, sort of questions like that. Okay. So, so yeah. it's a balancing act. It's a, it's a good one to have. If you can manage to negotiate, it's better to negotiate it. All right, so if we look at those four different types of divorce personality, Mm. our divorce personality prism, you've got the amicable. So those people probably Mm. could negotiate that together and you could say, you could even create your budget, show your ex-partner, look, this is how much I'm trying to spend, this is is how much my rent is, this is how much it costs for me to do X, Y, Z, and your ex-partner is going to know yeah. whether you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes or not, because they'll know, you know, medical expenses, et cetera. Show it to them and say, look, would it be all right until we get our property settlement, can you can you give me this much a week or can you give me the, a lump sum out of our yes. savings? Absolutely, yeah? just so. And if an amicable, even in an amicable relationship though, just be careful not to to readily agree to the amicable ex-partner paying some of your expenses direct. I don't think... I would like um, our our ladies particularly or our gentlemen to be under um, the, that's still a form of control that can be used. So you need mm. your independence. So just mm. set up an account where it goes and um, let's see if you can't negotiate it that way. And just say, look, mm. I'd rather manage it myself, you know, but would you mind putting the money into this account? So that's amicable. Yep. Um, what about um, avoidance? Mm. So you've got your ex is just like, no, we're not getting divorced. Or, I don't want to talk about <laughs> yes, anything. Yes, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. Well, I just suggest make it, setting up an automatic deduction uh, mm-hmm. from him or her. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can you could decide for them to go like three quarters for the bills and you only go a quarter and maybe put those into a joint account and pay it that way. Just You'll have to just make it seem very reasonable and sensible, but they're unlikely Mm. to ever set up, I guess, an automatic deduction straight into your account for a fixed amount and you have to be careful how far you go in setting it up for them because you don't want to be taking advantage perhaps of of their, you know. So you've got to be very, very fair. Yeah. Um, If they stick their head in the stand and you become desperate and you really need money Mm -hmm. to live while you're negotiating your divorce, Mm -hmm. um, I guess then you probably have to go and maybe see a lawyer to to write a letter to try and negotiate it on your behalf. Um, What would you say to the lawyer? You went, so you've got a, you've got an avoidant partner, Mm. you need money, Mm. which doesn't make sense because you wouldn't be able to afford to see a lawyer, but you go to the lawyer (laughs) and say what? (laughs) Well, I think you just 
just show them now our, our um, people who do our course will have done a list of their assets and liabilities and a list of their expenses and just mm. show the the lawyer what it is you need they'll probably mm. reality check you about what's reasonable and then write mm. a very firm letter I expect to the avoidant person and I guess it'll have to threaten court Mm. because, mm. you know, it's not just you that's suffering. Sometimes there's kids as well mm. that are suffering. And I guess we'll get, we'll get to the how for court at the mm. end. Mm. Let's do high controlling and manipulative. Now, I've heard some horror stories of women who mm. have been married to amazing surgeons or, you know, really wealthy like construction engineers and things. And, and then when they leave, they just get cut out completely yes. and they're living in their cars, you know, or they're, they're, they're in homeless shelters, but their partner and their, their commune wealth was millions and millions of dollars. So I would say that those kind of situations definitely as a manipulative controlling person, like that lady that might be living in her car who's actually knows for a fact that her husband has millions of dollars, what, what what can she do when it comes to spousal maintenance? I think straight to the lawyer and write a, a mm-hmm. very firm letter, threaten court and threaten costs um, mm. just to get some sense here because the issue is usually that the controlling and manipulative person, they think they own it all and that you, particularly if you've been at home and you're a stay-at-home parent, mum or dad, um, the person who's done all the work, uh, they think, <laughs> they mm. think they own it. Because yeah, stay-at-home parenting is so yes. easy. <laughs> I, I have to say that I've heard it called unemployed and I thought, really? <laughs> um, well, at least that, you know, the people that have been forced to stay at home recently and experience what it is like, mm-hmm. I think they all might have a little bit more respect for those people that are the stay-at-home parents. Um, so, yeah, so what a, a bit of a, a – if you went to a lawyer and you, you knew that your – your family wealth was in the millions, but you had no money to pay a lawyer at that time. Could you just go to the lawyer and say, look, I can't pay you right now, but here's examples of how much money my we had. Would, yeah. would a lawyer some help people, you? Some lawyers will do that. Some lawyers mm. will say, look, well, I'll act for you for a short space of time and we'll not only get money out of him for your spouse or maintenance or her, I guess, but it's mostly him. Um, we'll also get some money for you to pay your legal fees. And that's a very common application to make because mm. the court's keen on people having a level playing field. Um, it, it does come out of your share ultimately at the end, but then so does everything he spends on legal fees comes out of his share. Um, mm. But, yes, you can do that. So go to a lawyer who knows how to problem solve um, and they will very quickly, uh, they have to propose mediation these days um, and try that, try negotiation and then into court if if nothing can be achieved. When you say application, and we do say this a lot, Mm. to me, an application sounds like one of those forms that you take out of the Centrelink wall that says application for, or like the transport wall, application for a driver's license, application for Mm. a motorboat license. Is there an actual application for spousal maintenance or is it just the word application and you put it into the court by itself? Okay, so um, when you apply for anything, all those things you talked about, the common factor in all of those is someone makes a decision. So we are Mm. applying to the court and it's called 
weirdly, an initiating application or an application for financial orders, I think you'll see in the new rules. Um, Previously to 1st of September, there used to be a specific form for applying for spouse maintenance and one for applying for urgent maintenance. Now Mm -hmm. it appears that from the website that you use the same form as for any other financial order, but that you would Mm -hmm. write a letter to the registry saying why your matter is urgent and then they can right. assess it and, and list it for you. And you'd also have to fill in a financial statement to file with that um, to show the court what your actual finances are. Okay, so we'll put in the show notes a link to the initial application. Yes, uh, Which isn't a specific uh, spousal maintenance application like a boat licence application, but it's a it's what you need to give to the court to say this is what I'm looking for that's and right. you need to write it in there. Yep, uh, and then right. the financial statement that you need to attach to, so I guess that, that the court can see, oh, yes, yeah, she probably does need that and we should make it urgent. Yes. Um, and this new urgent list, um, which they've been doing for COVID as well, mm-hmm. that, that that sends it out to any judge I, in I, Australia? I believe that registrars see? all throughout Australia um, look at the documents and make the assessments online. Uh, perhaps, mm. Laura, we should also put the um, part of the Family Law Act that talks about spousal maintenance, so that's Section okay. 75 of the Family right. Law Act, if we can put that link in. And also um, Section 77 just says if the court thinks it's urgent, they can make orders uh, quite quickly. Right. So that's for someone who has a controlling and manipulative, yes, mm. you can go and apply for that and you can make your initiating application. Yep. Then let's talk about high conflict. They're probably not going to either give you yes. money to help you in that short time. So probably the same deal again, maybe go see a lawyer yeah, or uh, and if you can't afford a lawyer, you can always get legal aid. Um, uh, you should be but, able to, but they don't usually do it for property matters. Uh, but okay. with with um, a high conflict person, I tend to ask for a little bit more than we really need and let them ah. knock it down. Uh, okay. But there's also the risk with the high conflict, and with all of them really, is that if they don't agree and you've written letters asking for the money, and remember these letters will be marked without prejudice because they're trying to negotiate something, um, they run the risk of paying your legal fees if you if you have to go to court. So that should be, be strong on their minds. But, you, mm. again, if your need is not urgent, then you need mm. to go to a mediator. That's your first step. So try and find a mediator. Um, Every single case now has to go to a mediator unless it's really urgent um, or there's domestic violence. You have to try. Is there a free mediation through the court or...? There is, but only if you've already started court, which is a bit right. <laughs> of a and 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 the cost of filing an initiating application is it's up there. It's a fair bit. Yeah. So I don't understand then if you if you need money and you have to apply for spousal maintenance and make an initiate application, you still have to find money. You have to, to mediate pay? first for the mediator. Oh, yes, that's it's going to be hard. It's going to be mm. hard because no one does mediation for. Well, I guess some people do it for almost nothing. Uh, there's mm. um, the Relationships Australia works on the basis of your income. Um, mm. And I think there's some family relationship centres, but not as many as there ought to be. 
Um, mm. So you may see an increase in free mediation services. Um, but Okay. Yes, I don't know. Uh, we were. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast about this yesterday, and uh, mm. it, it's not immediately apparent who's going to be paying for this because even reasonably priced mediators, you know, are in the vicinity of three thousand dollars or two oh, or three thousand yeah, dollars a day. And if it takes the whole day, and if you, you take a lawyer it. with you, that's your lawyer's fees mm. and then their lawyer's fees. And and I suppose there's a risk people are just going to do a very quick, cheap online sort of mediation just to get into the court. Um, and then the mm. court may send you for a second one if they didn't think the first one was proper. So the court's right. trying to keep these cases out, um, but they are your last resort. And we say that court is the last resort. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But okay. So we've got someone living in the car, they've left their partner, we've got another person who's still living in the house because they're too scared to leave because they don't have the money. Mm. They know that they can apply for spousal maintenance. Um, they know that they have a need. Uh, they know that they can. Uh, when are they allowed to apply? Is there a date oh, in yes. specific terms? Yeah. You can only apply up to 12 months from the day of the divorce if you're married. Um, and okay. you can only apply for spousal maintenance two years after the date of separation if you're not married. Um, right. So, and and um, you can apply as soon as you like for maintenance, right. but given those steps that we've got to go through, um, you mm. may need the assistance. If you're running from DV, you may need some mm. assistance from one of those services um, to get mm. you set up and get started. It's a terrible thing to have to start to do. It's a nightmare. And um, the, what is the likelihood of it getting knocked back if you apply? If you're on Centrelink payments, um, almost no likelihood that it will be knocked back because the court um, under Section 75 has to ignore a pension or any um, – to the extent you're getting money from the government, the court mm-hmm. ignores that because um, the family court is a oh, – Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia um, are Commonwealth courts and Centrelink, who's paying the money, is also a body of the Commonwealth. And their aim in the family courts is to protect the public purse. So if you're getting money from Centrelink, your lady in the car might apply and get Centrelink and rent relief or some sort of um, family benefit, and she's got a, a ex partner who can well afford to pay her and support her. The court will pretend she has got no money whatsoever. Deal with that as though it doesn't exist. That Centrelink and all the other money, and then you, she's won her case as long as the other person has the capacity to pay. Okay, mm. right. What about the person who's living in the house yep. with their? wanting to be ex or maybe they're separate in separate rooms um can they apply for spousal maintenance while still living in the house and wait till that's approved before they leave yes if they're separated that sounds the like short, a good idea the short answer is yes well it is unless you're in a um a sort of a Maybe tricky uh, dv situation DV. yes yeah I, guess, I mean, I've, I've known of someone in a situation like that who was able to say, well, 
I'm not happy, you're not happy, but I'm going to be staying here downstairs until you give me enough money to rent somewhere. <laughs> and that solved both problems. <laughs> well, there <laughs> you go. That would be so, your more or less amicable and perhaps your avoidant. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, of course, do not risk your life or no, your or the or safety yeah. or the kids' safety or life just because of money. There are services available that are always in the show notes. Yeah. Um, 1-800-RESPECT, Lifeline there are shelters that you can go to and of course you can ask your friends and family and I know that maybe you haven't ever told anyone the situation you're in maybe nobody knows that you want to be separated nobody Mm. knows that you're unsafe Um, and you might be embarrassed or worried what people are going to think but I I guarantee you your family and friends will care and offer their homes to you without hesitation and you know if you have to couch surf for a couple of months just so that you can stay safe and get your spousal maintenance sorted then it's worth it and those couple of months will seem like a memory in five Mm. years when you're happy so uh, I just I I want people to know that you know it's nothing is it seems to me (laughs) nothing in law is instant sorted Um, and you it does unfortunately take some serious uh, what would you say, it's Mum? Work. Determination it's that you work. see from your ladies? Yes, I do. Yeah. I see it, it's, I mean, Patience. some people go back home again, go back because it's too hard. There comes a point mm. uh, where people just have to go and um, those services you mentioned are good at giving short-term support um, mm. and, yeah, and then that should cover you till you can get into court and get these urgent interim orders made okay Um, I haven't had to argue a spousal maintenance claim for a long time and that is because uh, it's pretty apparent once everyone fills in their financial statements um, Mm. or or even just does a list of income and outgoings um, that it's either needed or it isn't needed and most lawyers these days uh, encourage their clients to just do it pay it over and uh, get it you know forget about get on with the, the rest of the case the next question then is how? How does one apply for spousal maintenance? Now, you've said the interim application yep. that we'll put a link to in our show notes. Yep. What do they write in there when it says what orders are you seeking? So you can't, uh, all right, the orders that they're seeking would be something like uh, that the parties do all acts do all acts and things to transfer to the wife the sum of, say you've got, I don't know, $10,000 in the account, uh, you might ask for $5,000, $5,000 into her account number and put the account number there or put the account nominated by her. Um, or you might have an order like this, um, that the um, respondent husband, I'll say him, pay to the applicant wife by way of periodic spousal maintenance. That sounds very long-winded. The sum of, you know, $410 per week or $265 per fortnight with the first payment to be on and put the date, all right, Mm -hmm. or you can say Mm -hmm. or to be on the first Wednesday following the making of these orders and and to Mm -hmm. be paid um, directly every Wednesday uh, on every Wednesday following until further order and that gets you your interim orders into place um if it's 
sometimes in extremely urgent cases, the court doesn't have to do a big inquiry as to whether there's enough money in the other person's tin. If you can show you're living in your car and you're desperate, Mm. um, the court might just order some money to be paid to you on a short-term basis just to keep you going. So to stop you there, so that's what you would write in the order sort in mm. the interim application form. Yep. The other thing that you have to file with it to show that you might be living in your car or, mm-hmm. or the financial difficulties you're having, would that be the affidavit that goes with uh, it? An affidavit goes with it that tells them mm-hmm. that you're living in the car. Um, you might annex it to your affidavit a couple of text messages maybe if you've been asking for money or you might have bills that you can't pay, you need to annex them to your affidavit. Keep it short, the affidavit. It should only be five pages and five pages of annexures. Um, and then uh, you also... Just, just before you go and then, just before you go to and then. So in that affidavit, you would be basically telling your story saying, I really urgently need this money because... Um, living in my car or because I can't afford to pay my rent, see attached my rent bill that I can't afford to pay or here are bills I can't afford to pay. Here's evidence of me asking for money that's also attached, which is then annexed or... Yep, um, and here's some um, houses that I've thought are in the area I need to be and here's, you know, and here's a printout of their current rental. Um, And then you need to look at Section 75 that we're having below in the show notes and have a look at that because that says in the court has to take into account only these matters, right, Um, Mm -hmm. the age and state of health of each of you, uh, so Mm -hmm. if one of you is not well, um, the income, property and financial resources of each of you and the Mm -hmm. mental and physical capacity of each of you for employment. So if, for instance, uh, you can work but you you choose to not, you, not, you, can't, you don't want to work, you've res- quit your job, um, the mm. court may say, well, you should have, get a job. You've got a capacity mm. to fill those things. Similarly, if your ex has just dropped the bundle and decided not to work, um, the court can assess them on their capacity to work, okay? Right. And they also look at whether either of you's got care or control of a child who's under 18 and then they look at your commitments to support yourself to support the child um, and that's where you start filling in this financial statement they also look okay, at so, and that's the next that's that next document yes the financial document, statement yeah um, and then they also have a look uh, as I said they're not allowed to take any notice of the fact that you um have getting sent a pen- pension, any income-tested pension, okay? But if you're if the other side's getting a pension that's, I don't know, um, maybe their disability pension from mm. military service or they've got some super that they've turned into a pension, that that gets taken into account. It's just if it's a if it's an Australian pension that is um, that goes up and down depending on your income. Then, then that's right. how they've categorised that. Yeah, and so okay. they look at all that. They do look um, at whether the length of the marriage means that um, you can't work, like if you followed one person around the country while they got promoted and it's damaged your prospects of work, or also they'll look at um, how much you've contributed. So if you were only together for six months, uh, and mm. then you file for spousal maintenance. Maintenance. Um, the court's going to have a look at that and go, well, really, 
you know, six mm, months or mm. a year, not really. Yeah. And they'll okay. also have a look if you're living with someone else and they've got money. So yeah, mm. those things. What if you what pay. if you end up what if you end up with another partner? Can you still apply for spousal maintenance? Well, they'd be wanting to know what the financial circumstances of that are. For instance, okay. if you're in a shared house, uh, that means your rent's halved and presumably mm. your utilities if they're paying for some of them. If you're paying yeah. for everything and your new partner's sitting on his bottom, not doing anything, mm. uh, the court mm. may form the view that you should be taking in a paying tenant. Um, yes. I've seen people okay. years ago with great big houses where the court has said, look, you don't need a house that big. You're sitting in that big house. You could rent those rooms out or you could rent the house out and get a smaller house. So they're a bit harsh sometimes. Mm. 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 So basically if you are out there listening and you are in that stage of either wanting to leave or have left and you are struggling for money or you're not leaving because you struggled for money, mm. you'll struggle for money, spousal maintenance is an option for you yes um, you can go click on the show notes and download the initiating application form download the affidavit form yes good. and download the financial form yes and you can file it yourself or if you know that there is money in the bank account of your ex or in your joint account you can go to a lawyer and say this is how much money I know we've got. Can you please help me get some? Yes. And I think, Mum, we've come across some lawyers that are hesitant to do that. So what what would someone say to their lawyer if the lawyer is hesitant to ask for money for you mm. from the court? Um, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want you don't want any chicken lawyer, right? Okay. You need someone yep. who's in your corner. So you need someone mm. who gets what you're going through, um, mm. because and if you if you yeah if, if they if, can't if support you, if they can't support yeah. you at that basic early stage, then they just don't get it. I think, and I think mm. you need to go mm. and find a lawyer who understands um, your needs mm. and who will fight the fight for you. Mm. Mm. And I guess that's something that you know you need to make sure if you do have a lawyer that they understand what your life is like, how you're living, you know, mm. if you are struggling big time for money or you're using all your income to pay school fees and then you're eating baked beans for dinner, you need to let your lawyers know and you need to make sure that they care, Yes, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and speak up and because, look, you're paying them yeah. and if they're not going to speak up for you, go find someone who will. Um, mm. So anyway, yeah. thank you, Mum, for sharing that information. I hope you're that welcome. helps some people out there. And I know um, not all of you will be in that situation, but if you know anyone who gets into this situation, please send them this so that they can uh, help themselves. Yes. Mum, I would like to uh, point out to everybody that we have got a competition as we do every month. Uh-huh. If you write us a review and give us a rating. We choose one lucky person a month to get that. Now, we've done uh, September, but we haven't done October yet. So, in the end of October, we'll be choosing one lucky person who has given us a review to um, be able to speak to mum for free for 30 minutes and have a consult. And again, like we said, mum is not looking for new clients. (laughs) Mum is trying to retire. Um, But if you want to pick mum's brains, and she is a fierce, strong 
lawyer for females in particular. Mum has got a passionate heart and she would love to help those people out there. So if you would like to rate and review us, that means this podcast can get out to more women and more people to help um, them going through their divorces and being in the dark and not knowing what what's what. Mm. So thank you, Mum. Have you got any last words for anybody who is facing this horrible thing of not having money when they know that they should? Yeah, I think... Sometimes because we email each other and email our lawyers and we're keeping our costs down, sometimes uh, the nuances of how you're actually coping, are get, they get lost. Um, so you mm. need to use that an occasional opportunity to just promote your case to your lawyer so they like they so they get it. Sometimes it's not really the lawyer's fault if they're just doing batting things backwards and forwards without really. Um, understanding your situation so you need to take some responsibility and tell the lawyer exactly what you're going through um, and then they Mm. can take it further Mm. okay Mm. awesome all right and hang in there everyone this isn't forever this is only ever temporary unless you get married again and do the same thing all over again but even then that's temporary the second time (laughs) so it is not (laughs) no i always no no i'm saying no i'm saying the second time you get married if you get divorced again if you're stuck in the situation again it's temporary to be without money and struggling yes that's what i meant mum (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you everyone for listening we look forward to seeing you again soon and we'll see you on saturday for our q a bye laura bye-bye If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.